again welcome you to the house of the Lord this evening as we gather to um, study the Word of God. Now, did you find it? Let me see if I can pick it up. I've got it now. I don't know what technical stuff is just technical. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Uh, I felt it good and advantageous to um, spend a little time next few weeks understanding the parables of Christ. Um, it's an important uh, study because the majority of the teachings of the Lord he done by parables. And so the meat of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, anyway, in any event, uh, is uh, made up of parables. And so we're going to um, talk about them and cover some of them. We won't cover all of them, but some of them. And I hope that during, during this study that it will give you a greater appreciation and also better how to uh, interpret uh, the parables. Um, there's a scripture that I want to use as a, a reference uh, tonight. Uh, Matthew chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. This is going to carry us all the way through ever how far we go. Uh, and Matthew chapter 13, 34. Through 35, for those of you that are watching uh, the live stream, uh, let's read what it says. And all these things Jesus spoke to the multitude in parables, and without a parable, he did not speak to them, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet, saying, I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things kept secret from the foundation of the world. Let me stop right there. So, Jesus' teaching from parables is another fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. Because he's, um, and he quoted that it might be fulfilled by the, spoken by the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things kept secret from the foundation of the world, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophets. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things kept secret from the foundation of the world. Now, uh, Jesus' parables are among the uh, most read and most, most loved sections of the Bible. Just as in the times of Jesus, the parables are filled with vivid images 
and touch the readers in powerful ways. In short, the parables have been an important source of wisdom, instruction, and solace for Christians everywhere. So in the following lessons, we will understand what parables are and what they do in the Gospels and why they matter so much to us today. We will also learn some general suggestions for reading the parables fruitfully. Now, I want to, I want to stop right here and I want to say this. As much as it's important for us to read the Bible and study the Word of God, it's of equal importance that we understand what we read. And without that understanding, we're not pulling... Uh, from the fruit of what's there. We're not taking the jewels of what's there. And that gets me to this point right here. You cannot open the Bible and read it and just take it at face value. Because a lot of people, when they read the Bible, they read, what does it mean to me? And that's the wrong way to take it. If you want to get a proper understanding and interpretation of any scripture, you need to try to get a mind of who authored that. What was he saying? What was he saying? What, what message was he was trying to get, get across? And that brings us to this point. You cannot take everything in the Bible literally. That's how a lot of the cults have gotten started. When you read the Word of God, you've got to have a little general insight. Uh, if this scripture is meant to be taken uh, literally, spiritually, is it a parable? Or... What kind of prose is it? What kind of writing is it? Uh, I'm not going to go in a lot of depth and detail on these things, but these are some things that you need to you need to have and understand. Sometimes the author writes in a metaphor. Sometimes the author uses a simile. Sometime it's an allegory. And let me kind of just break down briefly what we're talking about on each one because I, I, I want to uh, everybody make sure they understand because this will help you get a better understanding of the Word of God when you study it and you get the right interpretation. A metaphor is a comparison of two objects emphasizing a specific similarity or similarities. 
now. In Psalms chapter 18, verse 2, I'm not going to turn there, but in Psalms 18, 2, the psalmist wrote, God is my rock. When he said that, he's using a metaphor. God is my rock. We should not, uh, uh, we sh- uh, we should not understand uh, we should understand that God, um, God is literally a rock. Rather, the psalmist is comparing a specific characteristic of rocks with a specific characteristic of God. Rocks are solid, they are strong, and so is God. So is God. <coughs> so, when the psalmist says, God is my rock, don't think when you get to heaven you're going to see a, uh, see a little rock sitting on the throne. That is a metaphor. Now, a simile. It's like a metaphor. A simile is comparison between two objects. However, the comparison is more evident, which makes the comparison more emphatic and vivid. Similes... You can identify a simile by this. They use words, uh, uh, use words as and like to make comparisons between two subjects that are obvious. Go back to Psalms again, Psalms 144. It says, man is like a breath. Psalms 144 in verse 4. Man is like a breath. That's a simile, okay? Now, let's mention briefly an allegory. An allegory is an extended metaphor. It refers to stories, poems, images, and words that convey meanings beyond the literal literal one. A good example of an allegory in the New Testament is found in Galatians chapter 4, verses 21 through 31, which it talks about Sarah and Hagar standing for two different covenants. That You'll find that in Galatians 4, 21 and 31. That is an allegory. Um, and so it, they all have purpose. Now, Parables are stories that fulfill a specific function in a specific way. Um, and Jesus, as we've already said, he, he uses these throughout his teaching. And what we're going to talk about tonight, I'm not going to actually get into a parable tonight, but uh, we are going to we're going to get an, an example of one of the things that I talked about. And we're going to talk tonight about the lamp, the lamp. This, this word Jesus read uh, was not. A, uh, a a parable per se, but it was a, a, 
it was a metaphor when he, when he spoke this. this. This is found in Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 and 16. Uh, and Mark and Luke also have different variations of it. They speak it too, but they, have, they give different variations. And let's just get into this to see what it says. Matthew chapter 4, verse, beginning at verse 14. The words of Jesus, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Like I said, this right here, what Jesus is using is a metaphor. He said, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. That's Matthew uh, 5, verses 14 uh, and 15. Uh, and we'll just drop down and read verse 16 too while we're at it. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, for those that are here tonight, I think that you can clearly see that these verses of scriptures is not a parable that Jesus is telling. He's not putting some kind of a story uh, together, but he's speaking a metaphor and saying that we are the light of the world. As believers, we are called to be light in a darkened world. This involves living according to Christ's commandments and allowing our lives to reflect Jesus, his love, his obedience, his humility, and his forgiveness. <coughs> There's a lot of people claiming to be Christians today. Matter of fact, it's hard to run upon one that, uh, that, that won't say they're a Christian. Um. I was asked to do a, a funeral service for somebody years ago, uh, somebody I worked with, and they, they didn't go to church, and they didn't have nobody to, um, to do it, and they asked, um, asked me to do it, the uh, husband, uh, his wife, passed away, and I agreed to help him out and, and, and do it, and when I got to the uh, funeral home for the day of the funeral, uh, he uh, kind of cornered me before we, before we went in, and he said, now, <coughs> he said, preacher, he said, we are Christians, but we just never have nothing to do with this uh, church stuff. <laughs> and um, there's, a, there's a lot I could get into right there. But to say this, to be a Christian means to be called out from the world. The word is ecclesia, those called out. 
and that's the same title for the church. Um, I'm sorry, but somebody who don't love the church don't love God. Oh, but I'm not going to go to church. There's too many hypocrites there. Walmart's full of hypocrites, but you shop there with them anyway. Hello. Glory to God. That's a, that's a flimsy excuse. Um, God has called us to be light. And that means we're supposed to be different. And I can't, I can't understand it. The churchgoers nowadays... God, God has called us to be separated and set apart and to be different from everybody else in the world. And if God has called us, then why are we trying so hard to fit in with everybody? I don't have no desire to fit in with everybody. Hallelujah. As believers, we're living in a dark world. And we are called to be light. And we shouldn't hide that light. There's a lot of ways you can hide the light. We gotta, we gotta be a reflection of Jesus, his love, his obedience, his humility, and his forgiveness. Jesus declared that his followers are the light of the world. He didn't ask him not to hide their light, but rather put it on the stand to be effective. Hallelujah. Just by taking one look, think about this for a moment. Just by taking one look at the news, you can see horrifying anger, crime, terror, disease, Politics today is dark. Entertainment is dark. Hallelujah. I mean, most of the ways that the world uses for entertainment is dark. Social media is dark. And with all this going on around us, we can be tempted to shake our fist at God and cry, why are you in this darkness? We need light. If we did so, God would likely grip our shoulders, look us in the eye and say, you are the light. Hallelujah. I remember, I remember a speech made by President uh, John F. Kennedy. And, you know, a lot of people do more talking than they do shining. Isn't it amazing how we get together and we'll talk about how bad things is, how dark it is, all the, all the sin, all the hatred, all, all the uh, killing and all the stuff around that. But are we going to quit talking about it and do something about it? Jesus said, you're the light. You're the one supposed to be a light in this dark world. 
President John F. Kennedy in a speech one time, and I, I found out not long ago he was actually quoting from Eleanor Roosevelt. I, I thought for a long time John F. Kennedy was the one who originally said it, but uh, it, it goes back further than that. But this was a statement he made. It's better to light a candle than to curse the darkness. So we can either talk or we can shine. We can talk about how bad things are and, and all that, or we can shine our lights so hopefully somebody can see some truth. Hallelujah. <coughs> In the darkness of crime, terror, disease, we are the light. In the darkness of modern politics, entertainment, and social media, we are the light. If you use social media, and I, I use social media, you don't have to get involved in some of that stuff that everybody else gets involved in on there. Hallelujah. If you're going to use social media, use it to shine a light. We are the light. It's not that we ought to be the light. It is that we are the light. Hallelujah. And we are meant to shine by doing good works and glorifying God. <coughs> it is when we live a life characterized by righteousness. Now, this is going to be the meat of my lesson here tonight. And I, I, I want you to follow me close. It is when that we, as children of God, live a life characterized by righteousness that we shine like stars in the darkness of this world. You will appear as light in the world when you live a sanctified and holy, righteous life. You are not going to win somebody to Christ by doing what they're doing. I'm sorry, but the devil's got you deceived. If you got this thought that you're entertaining, saying, well, I want to get out there and reach a lot of people, so I'm going to go down here to the tattoo parlor, and I'm going to get my body covered in tattoos so I can be accepted by all them people who have tattoos and witness. That's bull. I can't get no plainer than that. There's no difference in that. And me say, well, I want to reach the alcoholics, so I'm going to go down to, to Cliff's Tavern, and I'm going to sit down and drink a few beers while witnessing to somebody. That's bull. Well, I, I was on a vacation last year, and we went to Florida. And man, I, I just seen all, I, I just seen all them people on the beaches and not thinking about God, I want to I, I, I get like them so I can witness to them. So I, 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 go down, I go down here and strip half naked and go out there on the beach and so I can witness and fill in. That's bull. If you're really saved and filled with the Holy Ghost, you're going to have a desire to keep clothes on while you're in public. Brother Sammy's getting on meddling tonight. 
We talk about being the light, but we're not being the light. Hallelujah. You will appear as light in the world when you live a sanctified and holy, righteous life. Now, I have chapter and verse for everything I preach. If I don't have chapter and verse, I will not preach it. And you better heed to it and listen to it. Because the Bible tells me that the words that are taught us from the Word of God, we're going to face them one day. Look at Philippians, second chapter. And we're talking about living righteous and sanctified and set apart in the world so we can be a light to the world. And now let's read what it says here, Philippians chapter 2, beginning at verse 12. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my, in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. I have heard that verse misquoted, mistranslated, and interpreted so many times. Let's continue to read. For it is God who works in you. Mm. God who works in you both to will and to do. Don't leave this verse away from the previous verse. Don't disconnect it. Mm. <laughs> Do all things without complaining, <laughs> complaining and disputing. My, 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 pastor asked me to do this. Pastor asked me to do that. I guess I'll do it, but if you complain and murmur the whole time you're doing, you ain't going to get blessed for it. You as well as go ahead and tell them no in the first place. If you can't serve joyfully and willfully, in the kingdom. Continue reading. That you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault hmm, in the midst of a crook and perverse, crooked and perverse generation among whom what? You shine as lights in the world. So you see, we've got to we got to walk uprightly before God and our fellow man. I want to I want to read this again in the amplified version. So then my dear ones, just as you have always obeyed, and it's in um, brackets there, my instruction with enthusiasm, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue, continue to work out your salvation. That is, cultivate it. Bring it to full effect. 
actively pursue spiritual maturity. Mm. With awe-inspired fear and trembling, using serious caution and critical self-evaluation to avoid, for it, for it is not your strength, but it is God who is effectively at work in you, both to will and to work, that is strengthening, energizing, creating in you the longing and the ability to fulfill your pur purpose for his good pleasure. Do everything without murmuring or questioning the province of God so that you may prove yourself to be blameless and guileless, innocent, and uncontaminated. Children of God, without blemish in the midst of a morally crooked and spiritually perverted generation, among whom ye are seen as bright lights, beacons shining out clearly in the world of darkness. Hallelujah. Uh, if you don't have somebody carrying the standard, if you don't have somebody in the church, those who have already been in the church for a while, and you do get new converts come in, and the old converts are not standing up like they should, and they're not lifting a standard, the young ones coming in is not going to have nothing to go by. They're going to be confused. Um, we all... We all need to have a burden that we are responsible for our brother. I am my brother's keeper. And so, in the next coming weeks, we're going to actually get into the parables, but I wanted to start off this one tonight. I wanted to start this one off but talking about the light. Somebody don't take the time. Now, they didn't have candles back then. They didn't use candles, but they, they had lamps with oil in them and had, had wicks. And you had, to, um, you had to clean the lamp, put fresh oil in it, make sure the wick's good, and light it. And Jesus says, men don't go through all that and light, light it just to put a bushel over it, just to hide it. Uh, we need to let our light shine before men. That, he, one other place, where is that at? I didn't uh, see if I got it wrote down. Let your light so shine 
before man that others may see your good works and glorify God. Well, what if you don't have good works? What are they going to see? Amen. And, and one final thing in closing. Church, we're supposed to be living by faith. And it's one of the worst things. You might, you might be letting your light shine in other ways. I mean, and uh, living as close to God as you possibly can. But let me tell you something. That the world's also looking about what kind of attitude we have. Uh, if we're always pessimistic about everything and we're expecting the worst out of everything, people in the world sees that and, you know, you just like them. Hallelujah. We let our light shine in all these ways. Don't never, uh, don't ne never let a sinner or not, not another Christian, because they might be a young convert uh, and somebody who's weak. But don't, never, don't let, never let, especially a sinner, if you're on the job or in your neighborhood or wherever you may be, don't never let a sinner see you with your head in your hand saying, I don't know what I'm going to do. Haven't you read your Bible? It'll tell you what you can do. The answer to everything is in this book. And if I'm walking around letting the world hear me say, I don't know what I'm going to do, I'm not letting my light shine. And there's another, another metaphor that goes along with this, you are the salt of the earth. That's another one. Hello, let's stand together.